it's a great fundraising initiative because everyone loves their pets are very much impacted by violence within the homes as well. Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate and highly favoured, Jermaine Muller. Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. On this week's episode, I've got Alana Davis from the Domestic Violence Crisis Service in Canberra or in ACT, and she's the Community Development and Engagement Manager. Uh, how are you today, Alana? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so are you guys working from home or are you in the office? It looks like you're in the office. Yeah, we are. We did go home for uh, a little while when it sort of first broke in March, but now mm. we're back in the office. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's dragging on much longer than I think anyone thought it would. Um, so it's probably good to be back in the office. I think, I think a lot of people enjoyed it when they had to be home for a little while, but um, that gets a bit old and stale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I had a good day with my son and my husband and um, I, I, we enjoyed this time. Yeah. Nice. That's good to hear. Um, let's, let's roll into it. So you're the uh, community development engagement manager at DVCS. How did you, how did you sort of end up in that position? What did you do before? Um, what did you do sort of coming out of school? Uh, well, when I came out of school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I just applied for a heap of jobs um, to, to, you know, earn some pay to help me. Uh, and I landed myself a job as a receptionist at a law firm. And they practice predominantly in family law. And mm. after that, I um, just, I think, honed my skills and I stayed working in family law for about 15 years or so. And then left there in 2014, I think it was, and um, needed a job. So I applied for a job here at DBCS, which was the admin manager and got that job. Um, but that included things like um, rosters and staffing and insurance and all the stuff that I really don't like very much. Uh, and then we, DBCS employed um, a business manager who took on all the stuff I didn't like. And I got to keep all the stuff I did like, which is the stuff that she didn't like. So we have a perfect partnership and uh, I get to do all the comms and events and media and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's very exciting. I mean, that's something that I love to do as well. That's why that's what we do at Future Theory. So I can definitely relate to that being the, the fun side of things, though. I know there are a lot of uh, weirdos. We won't, oh, I shouldn't call them that, but <laughs> people who enjoy doing the organizational rostering and all, all, all that side of things as well. But yeah. Um, I like to think that we're the the more creative side of the the coin, if if we can put it that way. Um, so you're based in Canberra, and you sort of found yourself in this position in this role. How how long have you been working in this role for? Ah, uh, I can't remember. It would be definitely. It's probably about four years, I think. So I've been at DVCS. This will be my sixth year, uh-huh. and in this particular role, there was no role like this before, and then um, it sort of you know we grew and so um i took stuff on just solely about four years ago okay now i'm sure there are a lot of people and i've spoken a lot of people who've talked about the fact that they'd love to get into marketing they'd love to get into comms but they find that 
uh, it's two ends of the spectrum. Either they, either an organization wants someone with a lot of experience or an organization doesn't see the value in such a role. Do you have any advice for people who find themselves in that position? Or, I mean, sounds like what you basically did was got your foot in the door through more of an admin role and then um, managed to massage it into a position that sort of really worked for you. Any tips, tricks, things, things that uh, you can sort of um, tell people to, to do? Uh, unfortunately, I don't. I think I was just really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I am creative. I do have that sort of social butterfly, um, you know, like to talk and, and that sort of stuff. So I think um, when I came on board here, one of the things that was definitely noticeable was their lack of online presence, their lack of um, fundraising initiatives, that sort of stuff. And to me, that was something that you, you can't not have an online presence these days. You must have that. And and fundraising for an issue that impact, you know, the vast majority of our community would make sense. So, and we can't always rely on the government, I think, to, to fund organisations like us and to, to fund everything that we do. So it sort of made sense for, for someone to start doing those things. I liked doing those things. So I just sort of did it. And then it's, gotten to the place now where you just you you can't not do those things you have to do them yeah I mean definitely certainly for the last four years it sounds like it's just it's a role that you know if you remove that role um I think the importance of of the role that you play has only increased websites and social media and marketing the importance has only increased so in in amongst all that did you have to do any convincing or do do you think um that when you approach people that like the people within the organization they could see that sort of need for um, what you were suggesting and sort of said, hey, Alana, you, you've got great ideas, just run with it. I think, um, no, I think they were all pretty open to it. They they were all pretty aware of the fact that it needed to be done anyway. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's about have someone having the capacity to do that. And I ticked those boxes. So it was, I think we were just really lucky that everything sort of aligned all at once. Yeah. Did you, did you guys have a lot of like web presence, social media presence at the time? No, we had a website and that was it. And the website was quite outdated. So we've, since I've been here, we've had two website refreshes and we've established Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all that sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, you touched on it before. So can you give us a quick idea of what DVCS is in terms of like, is it a, is it not for profit? Is it government funded? Give us that idea so that we can go into the, the, you know, the marketing and the fundraising side of things with that knowledge. Yeah. So DVCS or the Domestic Violence Crisis Service is a non-government, not-for-profit organisation. So we do have charity status. We do receive the bulk of our funding though from the ACT government as well as some funding from the federal government. But then for all the sort of cherry on top stuff is what I like to call it, that's where we fundraise. So um, all of the government funding um, pays for staff wages and things like that. But the stuff that clients need like groceries or petrol or mobile phones or phone credit, that's what the fundraising pays for, all that sort of stuff. Right. So you've got some stability in knowing that you can pay the staff wages and you can do your more like core services, but then it's it's where you want to, to do things that really, like you said, cherry on top or um, just add so much more to someone's life. Mm. Um, even even though they're sort of small things, I guess you, you then need to fund those in some way. And that's that's where um, I mean, it's a good segue to get into the calendar, the Pets of Canberra calendar competition that you guys are running. Um, that's where competitions like that or fundraisers like that come into the picture. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So we use them to fund 
So all of our fundraising activities are there for two reasons, obviously to fundraise, but secondly, to promote awareness, one, of the issue and two, that of the fact that we exist because, um, you know, we know statistically speaking that overwhelming majority of people will experience domestic or family violence either themselves or a family member or a co-worker at some stage during their life. So we want those people to know that we're here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so getting the the message out there is just as important as raising the funds and one could argue that they're sort of symbiotic, you know. If you have one, then you can do the other and if you have the other, you can you can fundraise and if you have the funds to, um, to get out there, then you, you can increase awareness. So talk to me about the Pets of Canberra calendar comp what who came up with it it was it is it you know being a staple of uh, of the domestic violence crisis service or is it a new thing yeah so this is its third year so i guess year we're calling for nominees for the calendar which will be for the 2021 year so we um the first calendar we published was the 2019 calendar year and um it, it's an idea that we came up with originally because we know that pets are impacted by family violence as well. Often they can be used oh, way to control people. Um, they can also experience violence, abuse, or even death. Um, and so uh, it's a way to also draw attention to the fact that pets are not immune. They are impacted by domestic and family violence. And also, um, you know, and we need a bit of help sometimes in supporting those pets. When we're supporting clients who do have pets, Sometimes it's a little bit more complex on how we can su provide supports to those clients. So it was sort of born out of the idea that it's a great fundraising initiative because everyone loves their pets and everyone wants to see their pets. And we all know in Canberra, you know, so many people have multiple pets, um, but also yeah. acknowledging that, that pets are very much impacted by violence within the homes as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it works pretty well, I would say, like like you mentioned, um, it works on multiple levels because people love pets, people love animals. Canberra is full of, I think, you know, everyone seems to have a, at least one pet in Canberra. So that works in nicely. And um, I did have a look at your um, competition entry and, you know, there's the drop down is just an exhaustive list of all sorts of animals. Mm. So you can enter whatever pet you have whether it's a reptile or a fish or a horse or a, the classic dogs and cats as well um so you guys came up with it three years ago more or less um and then you basically use is it try booking so you just like use a yeah event just much cheaper for system. us yeah just to do it that way that's where we how we do all the ticketing for our events so we just use that as well you just purchase your registration via that and then you email us a copy of the photo that you want to enter Mm -hmm. got a, a bunch of judges that select out their favorite okay and so you sort of use a event ticketing system as you mentioned it's sort of the cheapest is it also just the easiest because you, you guys aren't trying to do too much with it you're, you're basically just asking for an entry and then you have judges on, on your end so you're not there's no need to i guess publish the photos for people to vote or anything like that so was the parameters of the competition dictated by the the software or or is it sort of a bit of bit of both not really i think with anything that i do i um and sometimes i i will admit i create a rod for my own back but i create <laughs> the event in my head first and then i work out how i'm going to manage it later so that's very <laughs> the pet calendar came about as well right okay um and so you guys printed out um there's i assume there's one winner per month so 12 winners in total so 13 because we also then put an additional pet on the cover and oh of course yeah. 
So it just gets, allows yeah. us to have an extra person involved. And all 13 pets go off and have a professional photo shoot with professional photographers. Okay. A photo that wow. you actually, um, you know, that you send in. We don't use that because most of them are taken on their phones and we need them to be high resolution images. So we've got mm-hmm. four volunteer photographers who go out and do a professional photo shoot with all of our pets and and we use those images in our calendar and the calendar is totally designed by the printers um mostly because i don't have time so they take on that and um they just get the photos with the months and, and off they go that's so it sounds like a really wonderful uh team effort by the by the sounds of it in terms of not just your team but then the volunteers and the printers and everyone getting involved with the yeah. photography and all that i'm planning to enter so um can we enter each pet once is that sort of one of the rules yeah so you can enter as many pets as you want but each pet once and only one pet per image and one image per pet because if you send me images of your dog i will end up picking out only one and you may not the one that i picked (laughs) (laughs) nice nice and then once you've got the calendar um ready for production how do you handle the actual numbers of how 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 many you print do you let people pre-purchase it or do you um just print out a x amount and then sell it through an online store how do you how do you handle that side of things so we do it's open now for pre-order um and and to be honest usually the the parents of the winning pets take up the bulk of the purchase <laughs> um they're proud parents and a lot of the calendars go international uh but yeah so we do it's just through try booking again just because it's it's easier okay. for us you just buy your calendar that way and we just post them out directly from the office so as in terms of numbers um the first year i took a bit of a guesstimate i wasn't too far off and we've mm-hmm. based it on the sales each year so we do um The first year we did an A4 size and an A3 size. Sorry, we did that for the first two years. This year Mm -hmm. we're maintaining that, A2, A3 and A4, but we're also adding a desk calendar. We've had a few requests for the calendar this year. Yeah, so diversifying your product range. Yes, (laughs) yes. We're moving up. What I... I, Yeah, (laughs) you're just adding more SKUs. And and what, what I love is, I mean... The, the biggest message that I, I and I keep asking you about, you know, whether you try booking for this or not, is that you guys haven't tried to complicate things too much. I think people can get lost, um, in, especially when it comes to software, because there's this almost this mental thing that swapping software is just very easy. So, you know, you, all you've got to do is click, enter an email address, enter a password and and that's it. But that's also also often a trap because you can end up complicating things way more than you need to to just achieve uh, something very simple. And and you guys have kept it simple. You're using. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who who are sort of um, thinking to themselves, especially especially in the marketing or the tech space, thinking to themselves, "Hold on, you can't sell you know calendars through an event registration system. That mm. is that is crazy. There's a yeah. dedicated you know that's e-commerce. <laughs> do it that way. But you know." Why, why do you have to do it that way if if you can simplify it down much further? And I looked into it. It's not like, you know, the system isn't unintuitive. It, it makes a lot of sense. It's mm-hmm. very simple. Um, so the biggest message I think out of this is just to keep things simple um, or, or as simple, as complex as you need to make it to make it work for you, which is, which is what you guys are doing. Now, how do you, I mean, 
you know, I'm sure like a pet calendar markets itself. Um, but how do you sort of handle the marketing side of things? How do you get the word out? And and what sort of growth, if any, have you seen over the last few years of the number of orders and the number of entries coming through? So I think, um, well, certainly for entries, so we're three, well, well and truly into our third year of entries. This year, we've doubled the amount of entries we received on our first year. So mm. we're over 200 now. Um, and we've still got about two weeks to go. So I anticipate we might get close to 250 because we tend to get quite a flurry right in the last few days mm-hmm. in terms of entries. In terms of sales, they were virtually the same last year. I don't know. Obviously, we haven't really started to hit the sales yet this year. That tends to more be November and December. And certainly it's a perfect Christmas present. And I know... Mm-hmm of people buy them for Christmas presents. So we tend to really hit the sales in December, but I've no reason to anticipate that it won't be very similar to what it's been in previous years. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you market um, market it? Is it just through all your social media channels or um, do you, do you um, get sort of traditional media outlets hopping on board and and, um, doing a write-up as well? Yeah, I think it's mostly through our social media channels as well as our mail out list. And then we do have really good connections with local media here in the ACT. That's something I think that um, I know for me personally, I'm really proud of the relationships that we have with the media outlets here in Canberra. So most of them have gotten on board with it as well as um, other supporters. So other people that just have big you know, social media followings uh, as well have been sharing it because really most people have pets here in Canberra and there's just so much interest in it um, that, you know, they're going to get interest in it. It doesn't matter what their subject matter tends to be. Everyone's got an interest in cute animals. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think pets um, is just one of those things that everyone can interact with, you know, Um, and especially the fact that you've opened it up for any sort of pets means that you'd basically cover everyone and everyone loves animals. So that, that sort of um, helps for sure. So what do you guys, do you guys plan to do more with the pet calendar moving, moving forward? I mean, you've added a new product line this year. (laughs) Do you, do you plan to add, add more to it? And yeah, what sort of directions are you hoping to take it? Um, I've never actually thought about it like that before. Uh, I think mostly because I think every year and in particular this year, we're just grateful that it's successful. And I think, you know, this year I was a bit concerned before COVID even hit. I was a bit concerned coming into this year on on how we would go fundraising wise because of the impact of the bushfires and everything. Yes, COVID hasn't helped that situation. Uh, So it'd be really interesting to see how we go this year and I think once I've seen how we go this year will influence what decisions I make next year but I don't think certainly seeing it now it's not something that we would take off the menu I think it's it's a way to engage people and again it's not just about the fundraising because we're engaging people and learning and meeting new people and that means new people are meeting our brand as well which is really the whole aim of the game to be honest yeah because it's quite tough i mean let's be let's be frank here domestic violence is not not a easy subject um it's not something that is overly positive so um 
if you've got, you know, a service that that is sort of, you know, in that vein of, it's just not like, it's not the kind of thing that you can have like an all singing, dancing sort of ad campaign. It's it's very, it's tough, you know, it's it's this, it's sort of this um, edge of humanity that is not very positive. But like you said, a lot of people experience it throughout their lives, um, whether it's them personally or or someone very close to them. So it's it's interesting looking at that angle of, you know, how you've managed to, market it and um, how you've managed to not take away the true message around it, but also put a layer on top that's a little bit easier and a little bit um, more palatable for the sort of general population. Um, Have you, were there ever any other ideas or do you have other sort of marketing campaigns and fundraising campaigns that you do that takes on that similar vein of, you know, what we do is extremely valuable, but, you know, not the most positive, but, you know, we'll take a slightly different angle that's still connected that allows us to get the message out there and get the word out there. Yeah. So I think um, we've got sort of three major fundraising activities, which are on top of the the pet calendar. We've obviously got our gala ball um, that was cancelled this year. Uh, That is our major fundraising activity. We do our high tea, which we just had on the weekend, and that was 400 people over wow. four cities. Yeah, I'm really tired. Today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we did that. Are we? And then in next month, we've got a trivia night. Um, and I'm still fingers crossed that some of the restrictions will be eased uh, by the time that comes around, because at the moment we're sold out on that because of restrictions. Right. Um, some of the fundraising things, and then each year we do a secret Santa campaign, which is very targeted. So uh, last year we, so every second year, which was last year, we asked people to donate brand new toiletries. And we have a very specific list of what those toiletries are. People just can buy them um, in their shop, drop them in at a Beyond Bank branch, and then we use our volunteers to help make up toiletries packs. And those are then Mm -hmm. given to people with accommodation so last year we probably got about between 15 and twenty thousand dollars worth of product donated which was great mm-hmm. and that product to last us for about two years so this year we'll just ask for people again via our try booking um, platform to just purchase things like grocery vouchers so they can just go in and say oh, i want to spend thirty dollars on groceries you know twenty dollars on phone credit ten dollars on petrol and then we get it at our end and that's we make sure the money's spent that way yeah yeah it's an easy way for client for people to make a donation but they actually know where their money's really going to rather than it just going into to the big black hole of fundraising they're allocating their money going to groceries or whatever so that's another successful campaign that we run um, and then, of course, we run, you know, non-fundraising campaigns throughout the year, which might be things like how to stay home, stay in the relationship and stay safe, which is certainly something that we did a lot of during the lockdown period. Um, mm-hmm. We were pushing out media on how you can enhance your safety while at home and, you know, possibly while you're still in that violent relationship. So we do a lot of those campaigns, um, a bit of fact, sorry, myth busting and that sort of stuff throughout the year as well. Yeah, so you use just traditional channels, I guess, to to get the message out there? Yeah, so mostly yeah. socials. Uh, and then that's complemented with um, the relationships with our local media. So m- predominantly those two outlets being uh, the Riot Act online, Her Canberra online, as well as ABC, uh, whether that be radio or online. Yeah, because it's one of those things, again, that um, you don't know who is going to, like your, I don't, this might sound too businessy, but your target market, the people who are mm. the victims in these situations, 
it could be anyone, couldn't it? There's no, um, I'm sure the statistics speak to a bit more sort of defined demographics around who they really are, like who, who the demographics that really um, face domestic violence are. But at the same time, it could be almost anyone and um, you'd want to reach them as, as I guess, conveniently as possible. Like even on your website, um, when I was browsing it, I, there was a big quick, quick escape button. And I was like, what's, what's a quick escape button? I thought I, I was really confused. <laughs> and, um, you know, if, if you want to check it out, if you're a listener, basically you go, you go on the website, you click quick escape, and then it takes you to Google. First, I was a bit confused, but then I realized, hold on, what you're, what you're essentially doing is giving people who are browsing your website, a quick way of getting out of it so that the perpetrator, they were to come into the room, or look over the shoulder it's not so obvious um, what you're looking at so you've got this difficult line that you've got a balance of communicating but also the people who really need it may not be able to just you know look at it on their like watch a video on their tv screen and and Mm. um just deal with it that way because it's really really close to home um now i'm putting you on the spot a little bit but do you know some stats to do with with domestic violence um could you give us some numbers i think Yeah, so you were talking about target market. And I think certainly in the world of domestic and family violence, there is no specific target market um, because you're targeting everyone. Mm -hmm. Because while they might need it right at this very second, there's a good chance they may need it in the future. So, yes, um, the the most people that are subjected to family and domestic violence are female, identify as female. And the biggest age bracket tends to be between 26 and 45 years. Wow. And that's how we experience it. Um, they're our biggest, that's our biggest age bracket. That's over 50%. I think last year it was about 60% of our clients were aged between 26 and 45 and about 83% of our clients identified as female. Um, mm-hmm. So that's us. We only service the ACT and the immediate surrounding region. Uh, so I'm not sure on what the stats are nationally, but in terms of um, you know national stats, um, it's, I think at the moment it's one in four women will be impacted by domestic or family violence at some stage during their life. And it's one, I think it's one in 16 men will be subjected to physical violence and one in six men will be subjected to emotional or psychological. So the non-physical elements of family and domestic violence. So yeah, it's pretty, you, you're pretty, com- you know, if someone says to you, oh, I don't know anyone that's experienced it. Um, they probably do. They just don't know that they do. Um, yeah, is- that's our thing because it's not the sort of thing. I mean, there's a, there's still stigma around it. It's still a bit of a taboo sort of thing to get into. Um, and um, so because of that, it's not the kind of thing that you necessarily see people put their hand up and go, yep, that's me. You know, that's 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 sort of what I'm I'm going through. So those stats are, are just sad to hear and, and really, really concerning. Um, what sort of services do you, do you provide at, at DVCS? So we've been around for about, this is our 32nd year supporting the ACT community. Uh, we, our, and the service that's been there since day dot is our 24-7 crisis intervention line. So we've got a team of about 25 staff that work on a 24-hour roster and they're able to respond to any incoming phone calls at any time. Uh, And then in addition to that, we have a legal advocacy team. So they work closely with people who are going to court and wish to apply for a family violence order. So we can support them in filling out the application, um, engaging with a lawyer, applying for the order, and then any other court dates after that. And then we also um, provide support for those in the criminal justice system. So when charges have been made against someone for using violence, um, we can often support that 
the, the person who was the victim in that matter, um, whether they might have to give evidence at court to prepare a victim impact statement and keep them updated of any bail conditions or court dates, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. then we've also got our community services team, which is broken up again uh, into a women's and children's program, which is provides case management for women and or children and their families who have been impacted by violence and are now no longer in crisis, but just need a few extra supports to help reintegrate with community and that sort of thing. We also provide support groups um, so we do a support group for women and we do a support group for children as well. And then we've got a special program, it's called Room for Change. And rather than just always sort of um, dealing with the problem just once it's happened, we have now started to take a more wraparound holistic approach in also supporting the user of violence. So mm -hmm. we're sort of supporting the whole family now, the children and the women, but we're also supporting male users of violence to help them change their behaviours and things like that. So um, we've got a t quite a big team actually that works with those men. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously the ultimate goal would be that no one commits any sort of domestic violence, male, female, children, whatever it may be. So um, it sounds like it's, and it's awesome to hear that you guys are able to now, you know, introduce um, services that sort of a, if you look at it as a spectrum um, of, of, interactions and things like that you you, you can sort of um target those different groups now i've got two two more questions that sort of come to mind um the first one is you mentioned emails so do you have an email list that you that you sort of market to as well or yeah interact so with? we've got a number of mail out lists actually one is just the more general you know stuff that talks about really everything and then obviously we've got um a mail out list to volunteers, we have volunteers who um, get a, a particular newsletter once a month. And we've also got clients who get a newsletter in relation to things like we might be talking about a support group or um, there might be a university study going on that wants to talk to people who have been subjected to violence. So those client newsletters are, are really specific to people who've been impacted by violence. And then we also have one that we send out to other organisations in the ACT who also work with people who are subjected to violence. So that might include places like the Refuges, um, Legal Aid, um, the Women's Legal Centre, victim support, all that sort of, all those sorts of things. So we can keep them updated with any groups or things that we might be doing that might interest their clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. So email marketing is clearly quite sort of a, a strong um, approach for you guys. Now, the um, other question that I did have now, this is a little bit left to field, but this is just, I was just thinking about this. Have you, um, and, and maybe this idea has been tabled in the past, but have you ever thought about building out like an online presence that isn't very, that it isn't very obvious that it's um, domestic violence sort of services and sort of a, almost like this presence that, that looks just completely, completely friendly, completely sort of separate so that um, people can interact if they're finding themselves in situations where, you know, getting caught with that web page open is just not, not even an option. Have you thought about that as, as an approach ever? Um, or am I just a bit no no you're not crazy and certainly um there have been some apps that are developed like that have been developed but they are more pitched at people who are probably at the very beginning of their journey so by the time they are engaging mm -hmm. with us the app's kind of redundant uh, so those apps are certainly they look like they're just a little game for example and they've got information and they are created at at the national level. So they provide details of, of organisations like us all across Australia. So there's those, um, but certainly things like 
perhaps a closed Facebook group, for example, something like that. We have talked about those sorts of things, but in the end, um, because really on the other end of the computer, anybody can be anybody, a bit of a safety yeah. risk. And I think until it's going to be much safer on the internet, which I don't see happening in any time in the future, um, I don't yeah. think that it's worth doing. I don't think it's worth the safety risks that that might involve. And that's certainly more so in, in a community the size of the ACT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the ACT is um, not massive, so you can't necessarily get lost in the numbers. So the ACT is, for those who don't know, what, what we are like a population of 350,000 people, uh, I think something it's a bit like over that. 400, um, but, you know, always, uh, okay. you know, I know, I mean, I started working here and I didn't know, but one of my ex-basketball mates works here. So everyone's related and everyone yeah. um, knows everyone. So even though you might have two people who've both been subjected to violence, they might have, uh, you know, one of them might start dating the other one's ex, for example. Privacy yes. is breached all over the place. So it's just not safe for those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not the sort of, um, it, it's such a, such a, small community even though 400,000 people is it sounds like mm. a lot of people I think for whatever reason I think Canberrans are quite social as well so that probably just makes it seem like everyone just just knows everyone so um yeah before we finish up I'd like to just quickly touch on um the the calendar again so where can people find out more about the calendar and and enter yeah so everything's on our website which is dvcs .org.au so you can just go through there um, to get involved and all of our events are listed there but the calendar's there it lists out all of our wonderful judges uh, it's ten dollars per pet and entries close on the 31st of august awesome i'm gonna i was actually gonna do a photo shoot with my doc but um sounds like I, a photo shoot's not necessary i might just look through the phone and um find one of the cute sort of candid shots that i've that i've got so um that's awesome um are you ready for the top 12 i sort of sprung this on you last minute but are you ready i think so yeah <laughs> let's get into it so um uh top three books or podcasts that you recommend I've only really got one book and it's to all my fellow mothers out there. It's called Mother Guilt. Um, it's by Aisha Buttrose and I think it's a doctor named Penny Adams. I think I might be wrong, but it was so helpful to me when I was, when my son's 16, but now, but when he was much younger and I was going through that getting back into work phase, uh, it was really helpful because I even now still experience mother guilt and I really recommend it to any mums yeah that's that's awesome um next one top three software tools that you you can't live without um it's tough um obviously as you know i think um personally for me on a personal front um well obviously i can't live without my phone and everything that's on that and my watch i have an apple watch and i love it um work-wise i think the software tool would be canva um you know for that sort of mm -hmm. stuff and then I use Hootsuite as well um, to keep me sane. And then I think also try booking and, and WordPress and I just can't pick three. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, 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 you know, gives us an idea of the type of work you do as well. Just hearing the software platforms that, that you really rely on and um, try booking definitely sounds like um, your number one way to um take and receive money and bookings and and all that so yeah. um that's awesome um are there any mantras or top three mantras that you try and live by 
Uh, one that uh, my daddy would be very proud. Uh, he drilled into me since I don't know when. Um, never give up, never give up, never give up. And it's something that um, my family's faced a lot of adversity in the last couple of years. And it's something that really has hit home over that time. And there are times when I felt like just giving up and throwing in the towel, but um, it's just sitting there. I can just picture my dad's little face head <laughs> telling me to never give up. So probably that one, yeah. That's it's awesome because um, I used to work in the not-for-profit sort of marketing space um, and we continue to work with clients who are in that space as well. And that mantra, even when it comes to marketing in the not-for-profit space, you just really need to go like never give up because you're facing, you know, um, compromised budgets. If you mm -hmm. have any budget at all, um, often it's, you know, or the the whole marketing budget is your salary and that's it. And everything <laughs> else has to be a marketing budget of free. Um, and you know, at the very least from a professional marketing, um, for not-for-profits point of view, um, yeah, you just can't give up because you never know what's going to work and you don't really have the budget to, you know, throw and fix your problems using money. So, um, no, love it from a professional point of view and, and sort of a, a larger point of view as well. And the last one, um, top three people you follow or study and why? I think mine are mostly, they're not famous people. They're um, people that I, that I've had the privilege of working for and I might get a bit teary, um, but one of my bosses, Margaret Reed, um, she's a, she was a family lawyer and she's semi-retired now. She was the most amazing woman to work for, so strong. Um, and she taught me so much. And um, I'm really grateful for everything that I learned while working for her. The old CEO of DBCS, Mariana Wilson, um, she gave me opportunities, which no one else has given me. Uh, she supported me in the decisions that I made, even sometimes when I made pretty poor decisions, um, she was supporting in the way that, and supportive in the way that she helped me undo that. Um, so she was really good. And I, I really like everything that they did for me. And I think one of the other people that I really admire um, is a woman that I worked for many, many years ago. Well, not directly worked for, but she, um, Linda Krebin, and she's also um, worked in family law and she spent a lot of time at legal aid and she really taught me to have compassion and things people who don't have as much privilege as, as I and um, I learn a lot from her as well and there are some moments um, and things that I reflect this was back in my early 20s and I reflect back now and, and I think what a learning opportunity that she had given me at that time and I think those three women uh, three powerhouses all here in Canberra and they're amazing and I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to work for the three of them definitely. That's awesome I think um, sometimes guests sort of take the easy road which is just to name people who have um, made an impact in a global scale mm. um, but we forget that there are people very very local um, like you know you, you've obviously met these people worked with these people and worked for these people and um, I think it's easy to forget that there are very much people um, in in your neighborhood um, you know um, in your city that that are just doing amazing things whether um, they're semi-retired now or retired now is a different story but um, yeah it's this it's been awesome to to chat with you um, one more time um, what's the what's the link again if people want to enter their pets it's dvcs.org.au 
Awesome. And it's only ten dollars. Um actually how much is how much is a calendar um when they do go on sale? Uh, so the A4 start at twenty-five dollars and I, and that includes postage. And obviously the more you buy, the cheaper they get. <laughs> nice, nice. That's that's a very reasonable price as well. I think um some people uh you know charities included can get a little bit a little bit lost in uh, how much they charge for things and it starts to cross that barrier of it's really tough to to pay that sort of money but $25 I think uh, all staff are getting a, a pets calendar for Christmas and hopefully my dog colors on the cover <laughs> I can't accept any brides I'm not a judge I'll just have to go look up the list. No, I'm, no. I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the cutest pet will win, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, Thanks for time, to Alana. get some more um, non-dogs or cats. If there are any owners of reptiles or anything, please send them through. We like diversity. <laughs> I'll talk to my mate who's got some fish recently. Maybe Yay. maybe they can, they can make an entry. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future Tribe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. 